Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hey everybody, before we start this show, I just wanted to let y'all know that we have a new really amazing Facebook group going. So if you look for Wedding Film Academy Facebook group, join that group. Also, if you have other friends in the industry, go ahead and add them to the group as well. We're really trying to build something that's centered around the idea of encouragement and and building one another up. Uh, as well as giving others a a leg up when they need it. And so one of the things that we're doing is we're going to do pretty close to a weekly film critique. So if you hop on over to our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you can actually enter in to potentially have your film live critiqued by us on the Facebook group. And we have uh, several, several dozen have been submitted, so uh, we can't get to everybody's right away because we're only, only going to do one week and we're having a ton of submissions, but we would love for you to submit one of your films over at WeddingFilmAcademy.org and then definitely make sure you join the Facebook group so that you can know when your film is going to be judged live. So hop on over to that Facebook group and we will see you there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. This week, we are doing something that I think has been needed for a long time, and that is a discussion all about video platforms. I think part of the reason that I wanted to have this discussion is because there's a lot of interesting things happening right now in the space of these these different platforms. Vimeo, that which a lot of our listeners are on, is really on this big purge right now where they're like just killing content creators for doing nothing. Even the content creators who are licensing their music properly, they're flagging them and taking down their content and having no option of, of uh, for them to go. Like they're just deleting their content. Hopefully you're storing your content on more than just Vimeo. Hopefully you have your own backups. But if you didn't, then that content could be gone forever at a moment's notice. Uh, I've heard horror stories about that. So if you hadn't heard of that, uh, go check and download any content you need from there. Uh, but also, there's other amazing news out right now. Um, Instagram just released their new platform called Instagram TV, uh, all about vertical video on uh, on a really amazing platform that is ever growing and becoming more and more popular, and of course, uh, Facebook is really quickly becoming a powerhouse in the way of video. Uh, they have really thrown so much of their energy, it seems, at the Facebook Watch platform. Uh, people are now building Facebook channels for their videos, and of course. We have the the long reigning king YouTube, and and there's just so many different platforms for us. I think it's really difficult for us to answer the question: Where do we need to invest our time and our energy? And so I am super excited to have our guest with us today, Savannah Peterson. Savannah, thanks for coming on. Woohoo! Thank you for having me. This is delightful and 
talk about a group of people who understand the importance of video. I don't think there's pressure on anyone like there is on wedding videographers. You guys do some very serious work. Yeah, absolutely. So Savannah, um, I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, read her bio here because I think it's fascinating, but her company savvy millennial focuses on delivering relevant content on the most potent platforms, uh, sharing your story with the right networks of super connectors. Savannah is also a Forbes 30 for 30 in consumer tech and having dedicated her career to building bridges between product solutions and the needs uh, that they solve in language, uh, humans around the world can understand. Uh, she was also formerly the global director of community 3D pr- of a community 3D printing company, uh, Shapeways, and director of innovation, strategy, and spec design. She's a renowned international speaker. She's also uh, NBC tech news expert. And she's regularly published as a thought leader. I have uh, read a bunch of her stuff in preparation for this, and I think it's just fascinating what she has been up to. And I think as far as I know, there's nobody else who can better speak to us about this question of where to invest our um, our energy in terms of a, a video sharing platform right now. And so, Savannah, I'm just grateful to have you on to to chat about all this thank you that was a very sweet introduction and very genuine thank you for the kind words and it's uh it's my pleasure you know you you touched on it a bit and i really just want to emphasize this because i think people get very overwhelmed by the amount of platforms they could publish to and it can be a super stressful thing both as a business and as an individual and i'm very excited that we are talking about this today because you don't have to be everywhere it doesn't have to be like that and especially um that i just have to say that is so spooky about vimeo i've had my uh, feels about vimeo for a few reasons separate from that for a while but that is yep. really dramatic i can't imagine losing my channel yeah and just having that gone it is re- oh. really crazy. I think I have, Spooky. I've seen friends who have said things like, I got an email that said strike one on a video, which uh, they said it was strike one because I didn't license the song, except I did license the song and I could prove it to them. Um, and, you know, then they said, and then within an hour of, of getting that email, I had strike two and strike three also for videos, which I had licensed the music for. And at strike three, they pulled my account. They deleted a hundred percent of the content and you know, I was just out of luck. And so if that person, thankfully that person had a backup of all those things. It literally just gave me chills to hear you say that. Just the, like the speed of that is terrifying. And, and when they contacted them, they said, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. The content is gone forever. There's nothing we can do even though this person could prove that they properly licensed all of the music, they had paid, you know, uh, yeah, to license all this music. But they said, even if we wanted to help you out, we couldn't. It's all gone, uh, which is just crazy. So we've stopped uploading all of our stuff to Vimeo. Um, yeah, I certainly will not be. I, I wasn't anyway, but I will make sure my clients don't either. That's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Vimeo's really taken a, an interesting turn to... Um, so anyways, just I think we can sort of like write that ship off and say uh, for 
for content creators, for wedding filmmakers, just stop using Vimeo. Uh, I know that mm-hmm. it's nice, like it does have a nice clean platform, like there's you know high quality playback, but there are other options out there to share your video that are gonna be more friendly to you, right? Yeah, well, you certainly want your content to live. Yeah. That, that's the most important Who thing. Who cares how pretty the platform is, how good it looks, if it might be deleted, even though you did everything right. Yeah, which is just, ooh, God, that gives me shivers. It's like Snapchat, but accidental. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and unwanted, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so talk to me about... I think the main conversation that people are having right now is the conversation of YouTube or Facebook because, you know, YouTube has long, um, you know, long since been sort of the king of online video, but Facebook being such a, uh, you know, a, a mega force in in social media, like that's where all the eyes are already. Now they've said they're just plugging in, you know, video into all this. And now it's like, you know, you can't scroll, um, you know, five posts without seeing a video on Facebook and it auto playing for you. It's Mm -hmm. such an interesting time right now because whereas before it was very clear, like if you wanted your work to be seen, it needed to be on YouTube. And now YouTube's still a good spot for it, but maybe Facebook is better for some people. So I think it's just an interesting conversation. That's a super (laughs) open-ended idea, but just talk to me about the dynamics of those two things. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a great dialogue to have. So the, the question I always encourage people to consider is where is your audience when they're not talking to you? So what, what, what who are you targeting first of all so if you're if you're making wedding films are you targeting people who are getting married are you targeting event planners to align with you know really think about who you want seeing this content and 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 i would assume i mean your business is is even more word of mouth than mine is you really want someone's community to see their video and to see the content and to see your content and so uh, you know normally actually honestly in in most niches, I would say, you know what, go to YouTube. It's just your friends on Facebook. They don't actually care about your professional content. I run into this a lot. I've been a brand on Facebook for over 10 years and and have been around on the platform for 13. So I've really seen the evolution and I've also seen how they sort of treat different content and the way that the algorithm favors things. But it's very interesting because face people come to Facebook to hang out on Facebook and stalk their friends or their ex from high school. They don't come to Facebook to be professional and engage, usually. The exception being groups. I think there are a lot of private groups and discussion groups that are fantastic for direct engagement. But it's interesting because wedding videos present a very unique bridge between personal and professional here because this is a very personal thing and it does matter, but it's also your work. So in this case, I mean, I the way I treat YouTube is it's always my archive. Everything lives on YouTube that I've created. I even archive Instagram videos. You can see them on my YouTube channel, Savvy Millennial, right now if you're that interested. But if I do a, an Instagram a sponsored video, an Instagram play for a brand. I'm currently doing some for Kia, you can see. 
then I will make sure that I, I archive that in my library, so to speak. It still becomes a part of the channel. It, it allows me to take that vertical video and give it a home outside of Instagram, put it on my YouTube channel. That said, I do zero promotion for my YouTube channel. It is really the, the host of everything. It's where I can direct people to do things, but it's through my social channels and, and even beyond Facebook. It's more, it's actually been a lot on LinkedIn lately, which I hope we get to talk about. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's much more about that, that real time engagement and that tag. I mean, it sounds really tacky, but you tag people in your content and they're going to come engage with it. And from that, you can, you can learn a lot. You can learn a lot about who wants to engage and also, the kind of reach you get depending on who you bring into the conversation around your content. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I want to, I want to hear a little bit more about that. So, so you're saying that YouTube is just sort of primarily the archive, but that's not where you're in terms of your audience in particular, that's not where your audience is at. Right. Not at all. Okay. Uh, I, that's sort of how I set up my business. I mean, that's probably my choice. I, I would assume a lot of the creators here, have a lot of fans. If you have a lot of subscribers, go you. Seriously, pat yourself on the back. Getting a YouTube subscriber, in my experience, and I've been managing online communities for over a decade, the hardest thing to do is to get a YouTube subscriber. That metric, of all the metrics, I can get a Facebook like, I can get a fan, I can get a new friend, I can get a LinkedIn connection, I can do all of this other stuff. For someone to opt in to being spoon-fed your video content is a huge achievement, and if you do have high subscriber rates, leverage the heck out of that. That is a huge opportunity for you and something that you should be doing. You should have a content schedule. You should be posting to that. That's a totally unique thing. Treat your YouTube subscribers like an email newsletter. They get pushed every time that you create that content and you should think of it that way. So get it on a schedule, own it. If you've managed to just knock it out of the park with YouTube, I am legitimately jealous of you and I am a, a straight up digital professional. So go you and, and keep up the good work. That said, if you do not have oodles and oodles and oodles of existing YouTube subscribers, don't feel bad, really, because I, I do a lot of talking about how vanity metrics don't matter. They really don't. It doesn't matter how many people saw your video. It matters that the right people saw your video, mm. and that could be one person sometimes. Yeah. So I, I truly, I really, really, really can't emphasize it enough. I can't say it enough. Stop worrying about vanity metrics. Upload native to every platform if you can. Mm. That algorithmically gets you the best traction. Right. So if that's Facebook, upload it to Facebook. You can, and I do this too. For people who like high res or other video creators, they're not going to watch my low res uh, Facebook video. So I'll put the YouTube link in the in the comments right below, so I can still direct people to YouTube if that's what they want or if they want to see more. But I upload native across the board to IG, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and sometimes Twitter, depending on the length and what I'm trying to tease and cut. But for the most part, I found that that gives you the highest chance to reach the most human beings. Yeah. And, and so for me, my audience is, my audience really used to be on Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter's my biggest audience. And from there, um, but now it's, it's been very interesting because LinkedIn is trying to push video and there's a very captive audience on that professional platform, believe it or mm. not. And they're, they're excited when they see something, you know, they don't necessarily want to see pictures of your, you know, children eating ice cream or your cat videos, but they do want to know what you do and see what you create in a different and more applied way, which is pretty cool. So it's, yeah, it's something to be said. What I, what I really like to do is test, you know, see where, see where you get people. And for me, 
I can sometimes get people to engage with me on YouTube. It's harder. It's a very different audience. Right. Facebook, you've got your friends and kind of your immediate network. Same thing on LinkedIn. And yeah, you know, it's a little, it can be a little uh, embarrassing is kind of the wrong word, but you do have to stick yourself out there sometimes. I think when you're trying to get video engagement and you do have to ask the audience a question, they're not just going to consume your content just because, unless it's something really, really, really exciting. Right. It, and yeah, and you need to, you need to not be afraid to bring the attention to someone like it's very interesting so i you know we talked about i do traditional tv and here i am an online content creator so it's 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 so funny because the people who will see me when i'm on the today show totally different demographic than the people who see me on facebook or the people who watch my ig stories whatever it's 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 completely different ball game and i think it's it's okay to treat it that way and sometimes you may find yourself making different content for different platforms like my Instagram story audience likes it, me a little less produced. I like to do stand-ups and treat it kind of like traditional TV, even when I'm live on internet TV. And uh, whereas my my stories do poorly if I am if to them it appears scripted. Of course, it's not scripted. Nothing I do is scripted. But it's it's interesting to sort of to to see that and to play with that. And I really encourage people to to test that. You know, especially if you have some content or you've done an event where the people are really cool and they're going to be flexible with you getting creative with their content and doing stuff. Try stuff out. You don't know. No one's going to. It's high. It's it's hard to get someone to get really offended and leave you on a platform. People just won't engage. If it's not interesting to them, they don't engage. Right. So, I, you know, th there's no harm in trying, and you just, you just don't know. You know, maybe, you're, maybe your whole audience has just been waiting for you on Pinterest, and it took you doing IG videos, people screenshotting the beautiful wedding, and then posting it there. You know, you just don't know. you got to kind of test it out. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's really good advice. Particularly, you know, it used to be doable just a few I don't know how long ago maybe a year ago or less where you didn't have to post natively because like you know Facebook would play nice with YouTube oh I know yeah it was it was less than a year ago it probably was just, yeah time time yeah. flies and that was awesome at the time you know because you could post oh, a fantastic. YouTube link and it would just natively play in Facebook and now it's like a awful looking little link with a tiny little thumbnail and it's definitely not going to get seen by anyone because face they bury yeah it. and they do it intentionally because facebook yeah. is now setting themselves up head to head against youtube trying to do this clash of the titans thing um you know oh, totally so it's going to be interesting do you think is because obviously like these are in terms of just pure volume these are the two going head to head. Um, yes. Is is there a winner in this fight, or is this a uh, both both mm. both are going to exist fine together because they serve different purposes? Talk. It's a really good. It's a really good question. Um, I think it's a little bit of an Apple versus Samsung. I think you've got two different types of user. Yeah. I think, and I think in this case. You know your your user your kind of your Android users actually your YouTube here it's it's your kind of one size fits all a lot of people have been using YouTube a lot of people spend a lot of time on YouTube second screen is real yeah. 
And 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 there is the the watch time on YouTube is incredible too. It's a very committed type of watcher. It's a different watcher than the Facebook watcher. Facebook's flighty AF. It's it's totally the classic jolt economy. Oh wait, squirrel, you know, yeah. new video, different video, different yep. thing. And it and it's interesting because I've I've noticed I, I kind of thought Instagram video would be a little bit like that. IGTV is different. We'll talk about that in a second. But I sort of thought Instagram stories would be a little more flighty. It's not. You typically get watched through the whole thing, mm. it, you know, because they're short, which is interesting. Whereas with Facebook video, I I like it because fun people see my content and my friends and family see my content. I cannot say it has had the same sort of business impact Mm -hmm. from an ROI standpoint that I notice on YouTube. And I hate to say that because I speak about Facebook Live a lot. Mm. Um, But I think, I mean, uh, live, I think it's a very different, I think YouTube kind of, I mean, I think we are live on YouTube hypothetically or uh, at least on Hangouts and we'll be on YouTube. But I think, I think YouTube kind of blew the live thing. I'll just call Mm. that a spade a spade. They, they missed an opportunity to make what could have been a really powerful media decision for them had they harnessed the power of that. And I think it's awesome that Facebook's that Facebook embraced it. Um, so from a live perspective, Facebook 100%. From conventional video, the produced stuff that, that your audience here, hello everyone again, is cutting. I, I YouTube. I mean, YouTube, YouTube owns the SEO game too. My Facebook videos have no SEO. They don't have meta tags. They don't have the same sort of data driving people to my stuff yeah. that my YouTube channel does. Even for my puny amount of subscribers, that channel has an epic amount of SEO. Yeah. So. No, that makes perfect sense because you don't really search things on Google and find like a Facebook link Ever. to things. You never have. Yeah. Occasionally you'll see, so tweets have great SEO. This is actually just a good thing to talk about because this is important from sharing perspective. So every time you share your video, you should be saying your company name if it's not in your handle or whatever it is. And you should be really like hitting your keywords, right? Like hit your marketing message because tweets have a freakish amount of SEO. Hmm. If you Google something right now, you will see the top, I mean, if it's sort of newsworthy-ish, you will see like the top three to five tweets about that thing right now. And it's really interesting because Google does a good job. They obviously have a good relationship with Twitter because they, they do a great job of surfacing this content. And I think, I think that's really important because what I've found, so one of my worst videos, and I hate that I'm going to talk about it because this means you're all going to go watch it on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I apologize for this video in advance. It's, it's about flying business class on Air New Zealand. It's a video called Once You Lie Flat, You Never Go Back, <laughs> and which is which is fun and clever. It's my most watched video on YouTube. And again, because this is a channel I don't really promote, it's always uh, it's very interesting to me what organically just gets lifted right. sometimes. Yep. And and so, I mean, this video is three and a half years old. It's pretty bad. I shoot all my videos on my iPhone. Everything's iPhoneography. But this I was shooting on like a 6S. Like the whole thing is just not is not something I'm proud of. And yet this little video gets a good 500 to 1,000 views a quarter, gets a ton of engagement from people who want to fly Air New Zealand because it must have, I rank very high in YouTube videos about Air New Zealand business class because there's some, and I get all these frequent flyers and it's so funny because they're all travel nerds and they're like, I love Air New Zealand. Oh, this seat's so neat. Like they're all so friendly too. It's not even the troll crowd. It's like the very, very kind crowd. And it's just, it's a really good reminder to me of that long tail. YouTube's great for the long tail. If you're breaking news, you should break that live on Facebook. 
That should be a thing. Or live on Periscope. It should not be. It should not go. No, nobody opens YouTube to break something live. That's a that's a ridiculous notion. But uh, but that said, the the tenure and the long tail and longevity of your content on YouTube cannot be underestimated. It's it's important. And those tags matter. Tag yeah. your videos, folks. Those keywords are everything in your discoverability. Interesting. Okay, so for for our most of our listeners, you know, we have listeners who are producing all sorts of content, right? But most of our listeners are going to be in the um, you know, wedding film and commercial video categories. You know, they're they're either producing work mm-hmm. for a wedding client or they're producing or probably and um, they're producing work for um, for for companies for um, for corporate events um, these kind of things so it's mm-hmm. those those are really different audiences so yes they are yeah so <laughs> talk to me about the dynamics of uh, of those two audiences and if I'm thinking about you know posting a a wedding video you know maybe I'm not as interested in putting that on to, um, say, a LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe the corporate video goes over there. And so there's right. these different ideas. And, and LinkedIn is just kind of one example of that. But, of course, there's also the you know same dynamic of Facebook and YouTube. And where do where these things live in terms of their uniqueness, the uniqueness of wedding films, the uniqueness of corporate video, I'm trying to promote the work that I'm doing. How do these uh, these things great. kind of fit in with each other? Really, really good, really good question. And I think it's something that often uh, this leads to decision fatigue in people, and what they end up doing is not posting anything. So rather than 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 bucketing. So if you have the time, I really encourage folks to create a content strategy. Doesn't need to be some mapped out calendars are totally BS just for the record cuz things move faster than our calendaring does. So don't don't schedule your stuff like that way in advance, months in advance. Obviously you can for the week, but no need to do that uh, too far in advance. But I think it's it's important to to understand that those are two different demographics that you're targeting. They deserve two unique messages. And the more unique you make that content feel to them, the easier it is for them to say yes to you, right? The more the more someone feels their need is solved, it's like I talk about in my bio, the, the simpler the buy decision or the opt-in decision is for them. So I think, you know, with, with, with Facebook, for example, wedding video is obvious. The couple is like, you know, with over 2 billion, I cannot believe I can even say that out loud, with over 2 billion people on Facebook, it's nuts. Uh, you obviously like the, the bride and groom or groom and groom or bride and bride are probably on there. So it's easy to tag them, tag their community, tag the venue, tag, tag all the things around it. And, 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 you know, obviously with corporate, it's a little more obvious, but the thing that I always ask myself and this, I do this, I do this multiple times a day is, is there more of a story here than just the I or the they or the Mm -hmm. we? So is there something very interesting about the venue you could talk about? Because it was built in 1794 before, you know, 
the Alamo or like whatever it is, right? Find the bigger narrative about what you shot because people like watching beautiful things. Mm. This is what I found. People will watch wonderful content even if it has nothing to do with them. That's how we end up in these click holes that we end up in is we just get excited by content that's stimulating. But all that has to, you just have to get them in through the gate. So it's kind of like you're at the top of your funnel is what's that hook? What's that other thing that can connect to someone? So maybe it's, you know, have you ever wanted to see the inside of a submarine? Well, now you can. And there happens to be a wedding that we did inside a submarine or mm. whatever that yep. is. But find find different hooks because that becomes sort of your business hook when you're when you're trying to expand audience. Because I do, I, I thought about this a lot since we initially engaged about how do you get out of the personal umbrella of someone's wedding? Because it's a very personal event. In theory, we do it once. Not exactly a return customer, though hopefully everyone in the wedding party wants to use you. But of course, there's there, it's it's tricky. And I think it's about getting into bigger conversations about local stuff. So you can always you can always make headway. Local stories do very well. I was just reading an article about local Twitter. I don't know if you've have you heard about this no. at all. This is like quote unquote basic Twitter. So this is this is what the kids are doing right now, okay. which I constantly have to read up on them so we all don't get outdated. <laughs> I'm only 30, by the way, but I'm talking about like teens. I'm talking like 18. Yeah. And uh, so apparently the secret for young kids right now on Twitter is to talk super local. So if you're talking about like, oh, there's a, you know, a black cat outside the 7-Eleven right now. That might get 10,000 retweets in suburban New Jersey or whatever that is. Yeah. So there's this whole like, (laughs) it's almost like a return to local journalism style thing that's happening, but it's happening at a very amateur level, but it's, it's, it's also kind of lovely. And I've sort of, when we all went to imagined communities, I, I, I've kind of been watching us come back to the real community. And it's very interesting because I think that gives us as content creators other hooks Hmm. you know normally you would look at the wedding the emotional event you know bob and sally crying it out pledging their lives to each other that's the that's the hook it doesn't have to be the hook that can be oh my gosh most beautiful sunset ever in austin tonight and by the way i you know it's in this wedding video i happen to do (laughs) but what you're really gonna love is the most epic sunset tonight Uh right so and it sounds a little silly, but I'm not trying to bait and switch you. You know, there's only going to be so many people that can watch a lot of wedding videos or even intend to seek out wedding videos. But what you want to be doing, your community is the group of people who believe in something bigger than just the service you provide. Mm. So it's that your customer is the person who comes to you and buys your service. The community are the people who are aware of what you do and can evangelize on your behalf when you're not in the room. So what's exciting about that with something like this is if somebody gets hooked into watching even one of your videos who's not currently in the market for a wedding videographer, that is amazing. First of all, that's awesome because you're doing very specific content. And to really look at that, like see if you can start to ask questions in your video that reveal to you who's watching that maybe isn't getting married or learn more about them, right? Maybe there's some very unique group of people who are super niche and into, you know, centerpieces. And you can find the group of people online who just love making centerpieces or whatever it is, right? Maybe it's even like custom wedding swag. You know, find ways to align yourself with other folks as well. I think online allegiances are huge. So I have I have a running joke that it's me and a thousand of my friends who run the internet. And, and it, it kind of is to a degree. I mean, from, from the media and, and from social media channels, there there are 
And there's less voices running everything than I think people realize most of the time. But what that also means is you can then turn around and ask people to help you distribute that content. Mm. So like I will be, not only will I distribute this podcast that we do together, but obviously if you do something very relevant or if you're talking about camera tech in one of these and, and I can share that with my audience, I'm going to be eager to do so. I'm happy to do right. so. And, and you guys as, as fellow videographers and creators should be cross pollinating each other's content. There, there is room for everyone. You want greater awareness on the industry and on quality film because you guys will all stand out above folks who aren't doing this and aren't collaborative and aren't creative. Mm. And uh, you can you can get a lot more visibility too. Like I can't tell you, I've been in social for over a decade and the one thing that has remained true and never algorithmically been different is the power of a share. Mm. Nothing is more powerful than a share. If you are listening to this or if you are wondering what to ask your friends for your birthday, ask them to share your favorite, their favorite video of yours or whatever it is, get that, that share. And if you're a friend of a content creator listening to this, the nicest way to say you see them and respect their work is to share it. And it's okay if it's not perfect for your audience, for Christ's sake, just let that, you know, just put that out there. A whole new set of eyes see something when you get a share. And it's, it's crazy. I've, I've actually been mapping this on LinkedIn. And so if I tag, I did this with a girlfriend who works at Genentech here in the Bay. When I tagged her and I asked her to comment because I wanted to, to see if this was actually working. So I know no one at Genentech. There's no one in my personal network except for her, even remotely close. I tagged her. She commented, you know, great piece, something really simple. And from that, I got 39 other people from Genentech who then saw and clicked on the link. And I could track through that, which is a lot. I mean, that's 40 employees at a company that could lead to a decision made about video content six months from now that I don't even know about. Yep. But I wouldn't have known had I not brought her in and just simple engagement. And it's amazing, you know, but I have and everyone should have this. I call them the nest. I have about five to 10 people that when I really if I really am excited or proud of a piece of content, I make sure that they're on that initial share, that they're commenting with me on every channel, that they're there with the fast like so it can get off the ground. Because sometimes, you know, content just needs to get up and out. Sometimes you can't get those wings without a little bit of help from from your friends. So right. I think that's key. Yeah, just don't be afraid to ask for for the love. Like, Friends will share if they think it matters and you make it, it's not, it really isn't about vanity. It's about exposure. Hmm. And I think when you're a business owner creating content, you need to make that very clear and let people know that it matters to you. Like some of my friends are like, wow, you always get, you're so nice when I share something. Like, why is that such a big deal? I'm like, why is it such a big deal? That's 1500 other people who now read my article. Do you understand? Like just that drop in the bucket just did that. That's all it takes. It's so easy, but I can't go out there and share it for you. Yeah. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again and have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 Hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? 
Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I remember there was a video that I shot. There was just like a talking head thing of me like, probably four and a half five years ago and i didn't try to set anything up i just i didn't like i didn't even put a mic on you know i didn't have a mic or a light or anything i just stuck a camera up because i was just shooting a video for it was supposed to be played at like this little conference i was supposed to go to this conference and things didn't work out so i i couldn't go timing wise so i just sent this little video mm-hmm. and i didn't share it anywhere i literally just posted it to my youtube channel which you know was at the time, probably had like 20 subscribers, you know? Woo! Yeah. It's okay. I was there until like a week ago when I finally asked people to get me over 100 for my vanity URL. Yeah. So uh, so I posted this little video just telling the story that I was supposed to tell at this conference, but again, I couldn't go. So I didn't share it anywhere. It actually didn't even get shared at the conference because they ended up like going, one of the speakers went over time. They didn't even share it at the conference. But then it got, it started getting shared and it ended up getting shared like 2,500 times. <laughs> oh my God. It was insane. And, you know, so it just like, wow. The, the view count was like astronomically more than I've ever had on any other video because it was just getting these shares. But yeah, I mean, it, it's wild what happens when one person shares a video because, like you said, it's like, you know, most of us have, you know, somewhere between, you know, 500 and, 5,000 friends on Facebook and when we share these things it it does get out there quickly that's one of the things I think we experience a lot with wedding films is ideally at least our clients and some of their friends and family are sharing those videos on you know especially when they're posted natively to Facebook oh totally Um, and I think the interesting thing about posting to Facebook is like you said some of this content doesn't necessarily have to be evergreen. You know, we, of course we want to, right. We want to also post that, um, you know, in a, in a, in a good platform like YouTube or something else mm-hmm. that we can link to that can be like, you know, sort of on our, on our website embedded or whatever the case is. But a lot of this is just, you know, content that is primarily for, our clients and their networks and they want to see it right when we post it and probably never again, you know? Right. Um, And and that's okay and good, you know? It it is. And it's okay to, to, I I talk a lot of, I I really advise newsjacking 
a lot. And, and a wedding is sort of a news jack moment, right? The wedding is news. It's an event mm. that happens and you can attach to it. So everything around it, before it, leading up to it, you know, in anticipation of, after, the follow-up, the one-year anniversary, you get to sort of associate with that. And and that's okay to have content that's just relevant for today. Like that, that it, it's fine. Just don't spend a ton of time on that content. Spare yourself. But but to your point, I, I, you brought up something in that anecdote I think is super important to share with everyone and emphasize, which is you said, I shot a little video as a talking head, told a story, and it got all these shares. That is incredibly compelling because that's something you can do before as a lead up to every one of the videos that you post for your professional content. So whether it be corporate or a wedding video, what I do, and I do it in the beginning of my videos in general right now, but I will sometimes do a teaser on on different channels to, to set the stage and I'll say, Guess what, guys? Today I'm working on a new video about millennials and camping. I'm using a hybrid electric vehicle from Kia and we're going to Tahoe. Be sure and tune in, you know, or I'll do a, you should watch this video if X, Y, and Z, you know, unless three reasons, I'm what I'm doing is I'm calling attention to my demographic and personalizing it to them. But I'll do just a little preview, either a live or a very short, you know, sub 45 seconds, ideally sub 30 second cut of this this is what you get when you opt in. And what's amazing is if you've watched me babble for 30 seconds, you're definitely going to watch my three and a half minute video. That's happening. Yeah. We both know that's happening. But beyond that, what's nice is I didn't get a fake click into that either. Hmm. So rather than getting that like autoplay or that whatever, I brought you to me first. I absorbed sort of the, the bot traffic. And then if you do click through... I know, wow, okay, 200 people actually clicked through and watched that YouTube video. So that was worth it. That wasn't just a, a pop, too. So setting the stage can be great. You also give context. One of the things I think, and I'll speak for myself, but I suspect I'm not the only video editor out there, is you forget what the audience doesn't know and what the context they don't have. So we can obviously change the sequence of events when we cut videos, which is really fun. And sometimes I'm always like, but that's not how it happened. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows that but me and or in the people that were there. But but beyond that, it's it's OK to give people the insight that made this special for you. Mm. And obviously don't share something personal about the couple that you shouldn't. But maybe there's more to it. Right. Maybe, maybe the groom just survived cancer and that's not going in the wedding video. Let's be real. Unless there's like a really compelling speech and it's appropriate. It's probably not, you know, and maybe they met in the cancer ward. And this is a whole thing that people, if they just saw a wedding video, would think, oh, my God, that's so lovely. But the second you give them that intro and you say, wow, when I met this couple, I was totally taken aback. It really stuck with me, their story, and I'm so excited for you to get to see their special day because they've just overcome these challenges, or they just moved to Montana, or they just, like, whatever it is, right? But you can, you are in a position to narrate what you don't narrate in the video. You're, you're in a position to set the stage for the audience and to connect it to them personally, because we've all had, you know, first of all, we all, we all cry at the same things, right? The military return home videos, everybody cries at weddings, we all cry, there's, there's sort of this these emotional triggers for everyone. And you have the ability to, in setting up the stage for your content, to to push those triggers. Mm. So it's pretty, it's, it's an interesting way to do it. That's one of the things I really advise when you're, when you only have one cut, if you just have your finished product, 
your your wedding video and you don't know you don't want to mess with it too much or you're afraid the bride and the groom would get a little uncomfortable with that so that that's when you can create your own content about making that video you know the behind the mm. scenes right we all watched the the making the video stuff on MTV back when there were videos on MTV so you can give the the behind the scenes you know yeah or tell us like what really are the five most annoying things brides do as told from a wedding filmmaker or what are the you know what color should we never have as a as a theme in the wedding because it just looks wretched on camera or how do we avoid stuff like that i mean you you guys have such an interesting look in to an industry that people just spend a freaking fortune on and i think it's it, it would be so fun to hear the behind the camera more frequently from this industry and i think a lot of video creators suffer from this is we all make content so when we stand behind the camera and we very seldom flip it around mm. to to look at it ourselves and i think that that there's a real opportunity there and you i'm sure have a bunch of stories yeah i think well here here's one of them for you so we made a video that was specifically for instagram about a wedding and then I followed that up with another video about how I made that Instagram video. Yes. And I... Meta. Yeah, and I did it for the video, the audience, um, the intended audience anyways, was other wedding filmmakers, right? Awesome, so yeah. It was, a you know, basically, a, that, that was who I was talking to. I was talking sort of from that perspective, and I was also talking about, like, even sales, like how you can use this as a, you know, an, an add-on that, you know, doesn't take mm-hmm. you much time, but you can make a little bit of extra money by making a one-minute version of your wedding film for Instagram. Anyways, uh, yeah. by posting that onto, I posted on YouTube, that's kind of the, the place where we post stuff that we want to be like evergreen, you know, people can search that until mm-hmm. the end of time, but... <laughs> for we want we also posted on facebook and i got a lot more traction on facebook with this particular post including you know the bride loving it and sharing it by her the who is featured in the how i made this video right so she shared it and then i had an inquiry for a wedding um based on her sharing it someone reached out and said hey i love that nice and then i had one of my former brides comment on it and tag one of her friends who is about to get married and she said something really sweet like see i told you he's not just like making videos he's like really telling stories because that's what i was talking about in the video was was about storytelling and yeah and then i had a a former corporate client who i hadn't talked to in probably three four years i don't know it had been a while but they used to be a big client of ours until we just kind of priced themselves out of our, um, you know, we had kind of priced ourselves out of working with each other, but, uh, he reached back out and he said, Hey, we're, we're really struggling with storytelling right now. And I saw your video about, you know, making this Instagram video and the thought that you put into telling stories when you're editing and creating these videos. Um, you know, we need to, talk again and so since then we've actually had multiple conversations um we're actually in the middle of working on two projects for them right now and and potentially working on a deal that would be a a huge kind of annual contract with them 
all based off of making this Instagram video that was meant for wedding filmmakers. Um, you know, and so it, it is interesting. When you show your process, you open the door to letting people in that wouldn't be in otherwise. You're touching on something really important. Everyone's creative process is a story. It's really interesting. And especially with digital stuff, nobody has the guidebook yet. I mean, there are some, bless their heart, but God, these books are terrible. There are some people who try and write books about what to do on social media, but it's actually very hard to do that because social changes by the time the book is published. Mm. So there's like what what you're talking about. It sounds simple, perhaps, to the listener. And, and it, it's simple in the sense that it's very straightforward, but it's actually really quite magical, right? Like, look at all those leads. Think about how much business. Talk about ROI. How long was that video? Probably 90 seconds? 60 seconds. Or, well, the, oh, the, yes. the video, the about video was probably, probably yeah. two minutes, three minutes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So sub three minute, kind of standard, standard viral video range, you know, and think about how many dollars those minutes have brought in for you. You don't obviously have to share with the group. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Worth it. Definitely worth it. Yeah. I, and it's, I think so many people are probably thinking about when they're thinking about like monetization and YouTube and is Facebook going to do that? And, um, you know, they're thinking about it too narrowly, right? It's, I agree a hundred percent. It's not about, you know, I need to be Casey Neistat and get 10 million followers, subscribers so that, you know, I can make, you know, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars every time I post a video. But how much easier of a road is it to getting a $10,000 client based off of the video that you saw that only got 200 views? You know, I think maybe that video right. got three, 400 auto plays on Facebook, right. you know, which <laughs> right. means, you know, 40 people saw it, <laughs> you know? Um, right, right, right. So it's it, like you said at the beginning of the conversation, so much more about who sees this video rather than how many people see this video you know that's that's cool if tons and tons of you know thousands or millions of people see your video um but what if all of those people who saw that video have no potential of hiring you you know yeah maybe you made uh you know a few hundred bucks maybe you even made a thousand dollars on a youtube video that went viral but uh did any of those people hire you and you know if 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 not, then the video that I made that maybe got, you know, less than 100 actual real views made a whole lot more money than your video that made, Way you more. know, a million plus views. Exactly. And I think that's, a, that, and I want to point this out because I think most people who haven't achieved a level of monetization think that it's a little different than it is when it comes to YouTube and whatnot. But as a, as just a, in there, this isn't always the case, but as a rule of thumb, Per million views, you make about a thousand dollars. Yeah. So it's it's not much to me. That's not much. the The effort of getting one million people to see my content is way harder than it would be for me to make a thousand dollars doing something else with my videos and, and just doing a, a business deal. But that is something to keep in mind. And the the other thing about this sort of YouTube stardom, if that's a path you're considering for potential income stream in the future, you can definitely get passive income. I do I know a lot of people who like cover their gear and whatnot with their with their Facebook ad revenue which, or with their uh, YouTube ad revenue, which is which is lovely. But those people don't watch your video again. 
So it's a, it's about constantly creating. Right. You get on a treadmill when you're one of those people where, where if, if, okay, so I made that thousand bucks off that video for those, for those first million viewers, I may get another hundred thousand viewers, hundred thousand viewers. That's only another hundred bucks. I can't pay my rent with that, you know, especially in San Francisco. So I've got to keep making videos. So the reason you see these guys, the Gary V's, the Casey's out there making video content every single day, is, and I would be willing to venture this, not because they want to make videos where they scream at you in the camera every single day, but because that's actually how you stay on this treadmill and continue to fuel that type of business, right. which for me personally would be exhausting. I would much rather make a how-to video like you did, attract the right people, get a really genuine compliment from someone I'd worked with, and close business. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm into that. That's a win for me. So, in... Along with that conversation of getting it in the right eyes, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the conversation, we have listeners who are, mm-hmm. um, you know, just making wedding videos, but they would like to start making corporate videos or they already are making a lot of corporate videos. Some people who even that's the primary chunk of their income. Uh, thinking about the fact that it's who sees your video, not how many people see your video in this conversation about LinkedIn, which... I have to confess, I am. I have a LinkedIn profile. I, um, I could not tell you the last time that I was on that LinkedIn profile. Tell me, chastise me. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why to start putting my videos on LinkedIn. I am getting four to five times the viewership on LinkedIn as I am all of my other social channels combined. Really? So if that's not compelling, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I'm getting about, so I get, again, for me, vanity metrics aren't, aren't a huge thing, but I think in terms of just to give you an idea of who's there and who's watching per week, I get about 5,000 videos on each LinkedIn video I have And what's wild, if anyone's keen and wants to stalk me for this, I am absolutely happy to share with you my personal analytics publicly. I have no problem with that because it doesn't reveal anything too private. But what I love about LinkedIn is it tells me who's watching. And for me, I I need decision makers seeing my content, right? So I don't actually care how many people see it. Totally couldn't matter to me. Uh, I love when people are in exotic locations. That's kind of my vanity thing. I love when my video somehow reaches a weird corner of the world. That's very thrilling and ego boosting for me. But but most importantly, I need to know that people who write the checks are the ones watching my content. So you're not just seeing potential- you're not just seeing demographics. You're seeing specifically Joe Smith watch my video. So it, it's both. So I see it, it's it's usually uh, 400 people with the title CEO watched your video oh, okay. and 300 people with the title sales director watched your wow. video. And I can obviously cross map that with my LinkedIn premium that says these 10 people visited your profile today. Okay. So I can see, you don't have to visit my profile to view the video, but I can see who went deeper, yeah. right? So who is now properly stalking me and, and doing it in a very different way? Yeah. Uh, as a result of this. And what's great is for, for those corporate clients, especially for the audience, I can turn around. I just did a video for the New Zealand government and on a hackathon of all things. And what was so fun is, so I shot the video. I can share the vanity metrics with them. Oh, we had 5,000 people watch it this week. But what was even cooler was then I could say, hey, I can show you that 50 people at each of your 
you know, uh, top competitors, there's actually weird competition in the government, uh, you know, the private sector competition as well as the, the government competition as well as whatever, they were all watching. Hmm. So I, we know that the banks know, that the trade organization knows, that the biggest airline, you know, Air New Zealand knows. And you, you can then show that impact hmm. of where, and, and even just the, the audiences. So what's nice for me is I use that, those demographics and those analytics as my map for what I create next. Interesting. So if everyone who's watching my content is a salesperson or a CEO, well, then I can use a pretty direct, colloquial, charming tone. I don't have to be very technical. Like if my whole audience with some of my content, it happens to be more engineering and technical. Mm. So it gives me that flexibility for me as well as shows the client like Kia loves it because I can show them that most people who watch my video make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. So for them, the idea of buying a brand new car is not weird. Right. It's it's something that's plausible. So Kia's like, great, we'll give you cars to drive around all the time. We would love to sell Kias to those people. Those aren't our normal demographic and this is different for us. Yeah. So it's good. That is and, fascinating. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm gonna chastise you in the sense that my I mean and this is what I'll leave with my number one source of direct inbound is through LinkedIn. I get a little bit from my website. I get a fair bit from Twitter. Actually, would probably be number two, but I, but LinkedIn, LinkedIn's where I book my my speaking stuff. It's where I book a lot of corporate stuff, and you just you know you just don't know who's going to see that video. And it's pretty thrilling. Like I would say, they're the, probably the most inflated metrics right now are on on LinkedIn. So if you're having a bad day and you just want to feel awesome, go upload a video to LinkedIn <laughs> and and tag a few friends because once those people come over, you'll you'll get some nice traction, good analytics. Uh, but don't don't ignore it. I mean, it's certainly it, think of it as the second website to your website. Mm. It's it's your professional social media profile. So I will definitely chastise you for not nurturing it. I will say they've been sluggish on video and the feature creep has been a little slow. I actually just called them out because there's no video gallery yet and it's very frustrating. But that said, it's all going to come. Uh, and and they just added stickers to LinkedIn video, which cracks me up. So it's, it's, it's having its Snapchat moment right nice. now. But I don't know that I don't know that that's going to stick. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> that said, you should definitely be over there. Okay. And we can be friends on LinkedIn. You can add me as a friend on LinkedIn and then we can talk video there and it'll help. Awesome. Yep. All right. Yeah. You uh you called me out and I'm gonna do it. That sounds sounds Great. amazing. I mean, frankly, like we're we're in the middle of really pushing out a a new corporate we've we've kind of rebranded, kind of uh segmented our companies into different facets and, and really rebranded very recently as um, you know, a specific company that's really just focused on corporate video. So Oh, so nice. that sounds like exactly where we need to be investing some of our time. So we'll do it. Definitely. Thank you. Yes. And you can start off with a video about how you approach making a corporate video. Yeah, that's a good idea. You can get you can get meta about it and it'll be great. And I will share it because I know how bad it is when video sucks with stuff like that. Most people think about it at the last minute and they should be thinking about it at the first minute. Yeah. For sure. No, I've got a really good video we just posted not too long ago that also got a lot of traction. So I need to make a, a how-to we, you know, how, how we did that. I think that would be yeah. that would be good. So we will do that when we will post it on LinkedIn. Love it. Can't wait to see it. Awesome. Okay, so we are closing in here quickly on the hour. Um, 
thanks so much for coming on. Is there, where, where should our audience go if they want to find out more about what you're doing, if they want to learn more about the stuff that you're talking about, uh, where do they need to go? Oh man, I am everywhere on the internet. I'm the epitome of a digital native. So my name is Savannah Peterson. There are not many of us. You can very much find me at savannahpeterson.com. Please add me on LinkedIn since we just talked about it. And my slightly more fun and off the handle handles are at Sav is Savvy, S-A-V-I-S-S-A-V-V-Y. That is my Twitter and Instagram handle. And since we were just talking about our beloved YouTube videos, my channel is Savvy Millennial, just like the name of my company. So I hope to see you there. Please say hi if you heard this. I am a ordained officiant, as we chatted about yesterday. And I do have a soft spot for the wedding niche. So I would love to expand my network there. And I look forward to meeting you all. And most importantly, thanks for having me. This has been delightful. Yeah, it was wonderful having you on. Like I said, this was a much needed conversation. It's given me some new direction. And I know that that means it has for our audience as well. So many, many thanks for doing this. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Take care. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. And help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.